0: Chapter 5. In the Woods It was getting on towards Moonset when they left the fields and entered the wood. Straggling, catching up with one another, keeping more or less together, they had wandered over half a mile down the fields, always following the course of the brook. Although Hazel guessed that they must now have gone further from the warren than any rabbit he had ever talked to, he was not sure whether they were yet safely away and it was while he was wondering, not for the first time, whether he could hear sounds of pursuit, that he first noticed the dark masses of the trees, and the brook disappearing among them. Rabbits avoid close woodland, where the ground is shady, damp and grassless, and they feel menaced by the undergrowth. Hazel did not care for the look of the trees. Still he thought, Holly would no doubt think twice before following them into a place like that and to keep beside the brook might well prove safer than wandering about in the fields in one direction and another, with the risk of finding themselves in the end back at the warren. He decided to go straight into the wood without consulting Bigwig, and to trust that the rest would follow. If we don't run into any trouble and the brook takes us through the wood, he thought, we really shall be clear of the warren, and then we can look for somewhere to rest for a bit. Most of them still seem to be more or less all right." but Fiver and Pipkin will have had as much as they can stand before long. From the moment he entered it, the wood seemed full of noises. There was a smell of damp leaves and moss, and everywhere the splash of water went whispering about. Just inside, the brook made a little fall into a pool, and the sound enclosed among the trees echoed as though in a cave. Roosting birds rustled overhead, The night breeze stirred the leaves, here and there a dead twig fell. And there were more sinister, unidentified sounds from further away, sounds of movement. To rabbits, everything unknown is dangerous. The first reaction is to startle, the second to bolt. Again and again they startled, and they were close to exhaustion. But what did these sounds mean, and where in this wilderness could they bolt to? The rabbits crept closer together, their progress grew slower. Before long they lost the course of the brook, slipping across the moonlit patches as fugitives and halting in the bushes with raised ears and staring eyes. The moon was low now, and the light, wherever it slanted through the trees, seemed thicker, older and more yellow. From a thick pile of dead leaves beneath a holly tree, Hazel looked down a narrow path lined on either side with fern and sprouting fireweed. The fern moved slightly in the breeze, but along the path there was nothing to be seen except a scatter of last year's fallen acorns under an oak. What was in the bracken? What lay round the further bend? And what would happen to a rabbit who left the shelter of the holly-tree and ran down the path? He turned to Dandelion beside him. "'You'd better wait here,' he said. "'When I get to the bend I'll stamp, but if I run into trouble, get the others away.' Without waiting for an answer, he ran into the open and down the path. A few seconds later brought him to the oak. He paused a moment, staring about him, and then ran on to the bend. Beyond, the path was the same, empty in the darkening moonlight, and leading gently downhill into the deep shadow of a grove of ilex trees. Hazel stamped, and a few moments later Dandelion was beside him in the bracken. Even in the midst of his fear and strain, it occurred to him that Dandelion must be very fast. He'd covered the distance in a flash. "'Well done,' whispered Dandelion. "'Running our risks for us, are you? Like Elifrera. Hazel gave him a quick, friendly glance. It was warm praise and cheered him. "'What Robin Hood is to the English, "'and John Henry to the American Negroes, Elifrera or Elefrera, the prince with a thousand enemies, "'is to rabbits. "'Uncle Remus might well have heard of him,' for some of Elifleira's adventures are those of Br'er Rabbit. For that matter, Odysseus himself might have borrowed a trick or two from the rabbit hero, for he is very old and was never at a loss for a trick to deceive his enemies. Once, so they say, he had to get home by swimming across a river in which there was a large and hungry pike. Elifleira combed himself until he had enough fur to cover a clay rabbit which he pushed into the water. The pike rushed at it, bit it, And left it in disgust. After a little, it drifted to the bank, and Elifleirat dragged it out and waited a while before pushing it in again. After an hour of this, the pike left it alone, and when it had done so for the fifth time, Elifleirat swam across himself and went home. Some rabbits say he controls the weather, because the wind, the damp, and the dew are friends and instruments to rabbits against their enemies. "'Hazel, we'll have to stop here,' said Bigwig, coming up between the panting crouching bodies of the others. I know this is not a good place, but Fiver and this other half sized fellow you got here, they're pretty well all in. They won't be able to go on if we don't rest." The truth was that every one of them was tired. Many rabbits spend all their lives in the same place and never run more than a hundred yards at a stretch. Even though they may live and sleep above ground for months at a time, they prefer not to be out of distance of some sort of refuge that will serve for a hole. They have two natural gates: the gentle, lolloping forward movement of the warren on a summer evening, and the lightning dash for cover that every human has seen at some time or other. It is difficult to imagine a rabbit plodding steadily on, they are not built for it. It is true that young rabbits are great migrants and capable of journeying for miles, but they do not take to it readily. Hazel and his companions had spent the night doing everything that came unnaturally to them and this for the first time. They had been moving in a group, or trying to. Actually, they'd straggled widely at times. They had been trying to maintain a steady pace between hopping and running, and it had come hard. Since entering the wood, they had been in severe anxiety. Several were almost tharn, that is, in that state of staring glazed paralysis that comes over terrified or exhausted rabbits, so that they sit and watch their enemies, weasels or humans, approach to take their lives. Pipkin sat trembling under a fern, his ears drooping on either side of his head. He held one paw forward in an awkward, unnatural way and kept licking it miserably. Fiver was a little better off. He still looked cheerful but very weary. Hazel realised that until they were rested they would all be safer where they were than stumbling along in the open with no strength left to run from an enemy. But if they lay brooding... Unable to feed or go underground, all their troubles would come crowding into their hearts. Their fears would mount, and they might very likely scatter, or even try to return to the warren. He had an idea. "'Yes, all right, we'll rest here,' he said. "'Let's go in among this fern. Come on, Dandelion, tell us a story. I know you're handy that way. Pipkin here can't wait to hear it.' Dandelion looked at Pipkin, and realized what it was that Hazel was asking him to do. Choking back his own fear of the desolate grassless woodland, the before-dawn returning owls that they could hear some way off, and the extraordinary rank animal smell that seemed to come from somewhere rather nearer, he began.